Welcome, everybody. We are starting our month strong by reviewing amazing decks created by artists from around the globe. This week, we feature Jennifer Steidley, who recently crowdfunded the Tarot Disassembled deck, which we'll be diving into this week. Light from Lantern presents Knit a Spell. I'm magical maker, Katie Rempe. And I'm the maker of magic, James Devine. Join us as we stitch together the symbiotic relationship between crafting and the craft. Jennifer is the author and creator of three self-published tarot decks, which is awesome, uh, including the hugely successful, as I said, Tarot Disassembled, which is a 78-card tarot deck that deconstructs and re-examines the traditional symbolism of the Rider-Waite-Smith tarot deck. Jennifer has been a graphic designer for over 20 years and has been fascinated by tarot throughout her life. We're so excited to dig into the details of your awesome new deck. Thank you for joining us, Jennifer. Yay! Yay! I'm so excited to be with you guys. So excited. Yay! So tell us a little bit about how your magical journey began. Sure. My magical journey began probably when I was a child and I basically would collect sticks and rocks and, you know, little bits of nature. And then one time I decided this crayon was magical and I made it like a little bed with cotton and stuff and like kept it under my bed and would like, like treat it like, a little, like it was a little, I don't know why I thought it was magical, but I believe very strongly this crayon has magic powers. And if I treat it right, it will give me the magic back. So I kind of made up little magic stories in my head from the time I was a child. Um, I didn't have any magical you know family lineage or anything as far as exposure to anything so i just was kind of making up as i went along um and then tarot hit me in my college years uh many years ago we'll just say it was the 90s okay you know things were crazy back then um and i don't know if you guys were ever ever belonged to one of these but they had those um they had those cd of the month clubs mm. where you get the like cd sent to you in your genre that you like and then you could also order like you know, 10 for a dollar or something from the discount section. Well, they had a book club like that, that was like a new age book club. And so I had a subscription to this new age, um, which is what they called it back then, new age. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And I had this subscription when I was in college to this new age book of the month club. And one month they sent a tarot deck. And I don't think I had ever seen a tarot deck before then. I was like, I was like, what is this magic? Mm -hmm. And it just ends, I think it was a, an Amy Zerner Monty Farber deck. Um, and I don't think I still have it, but so I don't remember the exact one, but I think it was one of theirs. And I was just like, what is this? And it instantly just kind of spoke to me on some deep level. And so I kind of started playing with tarot um, kind of by myself in my twenties. And then I, then I really tried to seek out other decks and collect decks, but things weren't as massive as they are nowadays, as far as the number of decks and stuff. So it was more like I had like six at one time and thought I really had a ton. Um, now I have like, you know, upwards of a hundred, of course. So. <laughs> right. right. Yes. Yeah. Hundreds yeah. dropping every month now. Right. Yeah. It's so, it's so amazing right now. It's just so such a huge time for tarot, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just kind of practiced in not in secret, but I just didn't have any groups or friends that were into any of that. Some of my friends were like, oh, give me a reading. Like once they understood, but they didn't, they weren't against it. They just didn't understand it. So I just kind of did my own thing by myself for a long time. And then, yeah, just in the last couple of years, I'm like, there's this whole community around tarot and this whole amazing 
you know, connections with, especially through social media and everything. So it's, that's opened up whole new doors for me as far as understanding there's so many people who love it like I do and want to nerd out about it. So. <laughs> what is it about tarot that draws you in? I mean, there are Oracle cards. There's a lot of other divinatory tools and right. uh, other things. What do you think draws you into tarot specifically? Well, I definitely love, love a good Oracle deck as well. But I, as far as tarot, I think, I think I've always had some sense of love of symbols and love of visual language beyond just, beyond just art. And I don't, obviously art is full of that too, but beyond, you know, just going to an art museum, it was, there's something so specific about this system of structure of symbols and symbolism. And I think that really is ideally why I became a graphic designer was because I was trying to find something that resonated with me as far as creating visual language. And I, I didn't feel like I had it in me just, I, uh, this is not me putting down artists anyway. I think artists are amazing, but I didn't have it in me to just be a creative artist because I would look at a canvas and be like, I don't, I don't know. What do I, I don't know what to do. Whereas mm. if I have a purpose and a structure and kind of that's kind of where my brain wants to go with that split right, left brain. So I think it's also what led me into graphic design, that love of visual language and visual symbols. And the tarot is so rich with that. So what made you decide to create this deck specifically? This is your third deck. It's my third deck, but my first tarot deck. Oh, so the previous two were oracles, correct? Uh, yeah, one's kind of more of a affirmation deck. It's sassy, foul mouth chakra affirmation. Oh, <laughs> so I like that. <laughs> so it's more of a playful, just kind of I am statements with a lot of fun foul language. Uh, so that one's more of an affirmation deck, I would probably classify it as. Um, but yeah, the other one is probably kind of more of an oracle deck. Um, this was my first stab at a tarot deck. Um, as far as why this one, this one just, you know how sometimes ideas just want to get made, like you mm. feel it, like it kind of just, they somehow push a nudge and then you're like, I think this wants to get made. So I, I'd been playing with ideas. I definitely wanted to do a tarot deck, although I felt it was a little daunting because Oracle decks, you can kind of be real free form and be like, okay, I'll just play and maybe make this many cards and I don't have to have a set number and I don't have to have a set, you know, language per se or structure. So it was a little daunting, but a little exciting too. But my son has always been a massive deconstructor. So literally from the time he was like a toddler, like this child would take any toy apart somehow. We, mm. to, we have funny pictures from back then where he would, you know, he'd have little toy trucks or little toy trains. And literally there'd be just a bin full of, here's a wheel and an axle and like whatever parts he could manage to like pry apart to take it something apart. And my husband's a little bit like that too. He's a kind of a computer geek and he, um, him and my son will, when they have an old defunct piece of equipment, will literally have fun in the driveway, tearing it apart and looking at the inside little pieces of the computer. My son loves that. He loves deconstructing things. So I think I just, there was one day, it sounds really silly, but there was one day I made him lunch and yet again, he has a sandwich. He eats everything in the sandwich, but he has taken everything apart. Here's, you know, every little piece of the sandwich and laid it all out. <laughs> like Just looking at him like, what, why? And something just hit me and I was like, I wonder what would happen if you took apart the tarot, like took apart that language, you know, and kind of deconstructed it. Um, so, and that's kind of where that little light bulb went off. And then I had other decks I was kind of playing with and working on, but this one just really felt like it wanted to get, like it shoved its way in front of everything else and said, no, no, stop. This is what we're doing. So that's kind of how it went. It was, ex it was exciting because once you, it started rolling, it was an easy one to make, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like some of them are hard, you have the idea but they're really hard to get the momentum and kind mm -hmm. of get 
and kind of just the way you want. So they take a lot of finessing. This one just really started rolling out of me. So, oh, yeah, that's how you know it's meant to be so good. So let's so for everyone who's listening, who may not be watching, you know, the video describe for us describe for everybody the concept and and what someone might see in the dis, in the tarot disassembled what's the high level concept and what someone might see on a card so it's very much taking so it's based off of the rider weight smith tradition and because obviously there are some different systems and schools of tarot out there um so based off of the the rider weight smith system and really literally deconstructing kind of the, the symbols that lie in each of those cards, because some of those symbols are very minute and very tiny where you don't even hardly notice them on that little small bit of card stock. Um, but they're all, they all have meaning. Um, some of it's really, I'm okay. I'm going on a tangent already. I can feel it. I can feel I'm going on That's good. Embrace it. I'm going to reel it in and then we'll, then we'll, we'll go on it. Um, yeah. So, so when you look at the cards, they're very much um, it's, it's, it's no longer a pictorial. It's no longer a scene acting out a specific, you know, event or a specific scene. It's more taking the individual symbols from that card and kind of just making a pattern with them. Um, what some people, I had one person describe it as, which I thought was an interesting way to look at it. Those old model kits where you'd have the little plastic with all the little pieces ready to kind of twist out of the plastic. Mm -hmm. uh, it was, it's almost like a little kit of pieces on each card now. Yep, like little paper doll clothes, something like that. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. like where you have the little bits and pieces kind of, because it doesn't really make sense as a pictorial or a landscape. It's more of a, just kind of, they're kind of arranged in a way that felt right, you know, mm. but very random in a way. Right. Yeah. Is there a card that's one of your favorites to describe? Mm -hmm. Or one of your favorite, one of the ones that turned out like really well? Um. Let's see. I am very fond. I know it's a lover's year as far as lover's card year, but I am very fond of how the lovers turned out. Um, I, you know, there, I, one of the things I played with was really kind of making some elements bigger and more pr prominent than they would be in maybe the traditional Rider Waite Smith. Mm. They're kind of a little bit smaller and, you know, less obvious. And so I really had fun blowing up like the snake and like some of the other elements in that. And then um, there's something about the way it, elements come together and feel like they balance and work together that that's and that's just part of probably my graphic design brain but um i definitely like that one for sure and then i'm really fond which is no surprise i'm a virgo so it's probably not a shocker but um i'm really fond of the hermit um it's a very minimal card there it is right there yeah mm -hmm. very minimal in its symbolism um compared to some of the others that have just shocked full um but i still feel like something happened there that felt really nice with the way that it all balanced out you know and the, and the pieces mm -hmm. so to describe it there's a um a lantern there's a six-pointed star there's a mountain there's a staff there's a beard and there's like a starburst symbol and then there's a bunch of stars in the background there's the number and the title and it's gray so i also love the hermit card because virgo um right. so when it comes to attention to detail, how did you figure out which symbols you wanted to feature versus which ones you left off? Yeah, basically I would start with each card and I'd really look at it thoroughly and, and also research to make sure I wasn't missing anything, maybe that I wasn't visually kind of picking up. And I would kind of lay all the different symbols, make all the symbols, lay them all out on my little canvas. 
and then I just kind of start playing with where arranging, if that makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. I definitely felt like there were very few symbols I chose to, I tried to really be inclusive of every symbol that had any real meaning. I also sometimes even added, well, not very often, but I went a little off rails occasionally and added some symbols that weren't from the, the original Rider Waite Smith. Um, one case was, uh, what's the, what's the one he's got, the, he's stealing the swords, which swords is that? Five uh, or seven. Uh, is that, I think it's seven. Seven. Yeah. yeah, he's got the stealing the story. It's about that, you know, thievery Sneaky. and yeah. deception. And he's got the swords and he's got this funny little like furry spiky hat. <laughs> so yes. I don't it's like it looks like he's wearing a porcupine on his on his head. So I was like, I'm gonna throw a porcupine in there, like a tiny one, just a little baby porcupine. That um, makes so much sense. in some ways that it kind of adds meaning because that one obviously is not a traditional symbol, but like you know, it's a little bit of a bristly card because, you know, what's going down is pretty, you know, a little bit, a little bit uncool and a little sus. So mm -hmm. um, I think throwing the, the porcupine in there and, you know, is, and maybe if nothing else, like have your defenses up, be, you know, be ready because somebody's, somebody's doing you dirty. Exactly. Uh, Self-protection. So, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, for the most part, I try to really not leave anything pertinent out. I might've definitely here and there left something up, but I try to make sure every symbol is included, even if they were small. And then I just really played with size and scale and arrangement. Some of them just kind of came together. And some of them I had to really be like, I don't like this. I don't know. And really had to play and play until it felt right. And so how long did the whole project take you to design? Not relatively long. I think it took me, it was probably about four to five months of actual designing once I had the idea. Um, which is not that long relatively, especially for a deck, you know, because yeah. decks can be really long labors of love. Um, so it wasn't really too terribly long, but um, some days it would feel like I would knock out a couple at a time and, it, you know, things were really kind of rolling and other days it would feel like it just, I, I got to come back to it because this, this isn't working today. Mm. Well, we've all had those days, right? <laughs> right. You go to do it anyway, though. And that is the thing, even if right. you do it for five minutes and you're like, meh, all right, well, yeah. no push through Just, yeah let's take a quick break and then when we come back we'll get into uh, some more of the making aspect of the deck we'll be right back exciting news listeners knit a spell is coming to patreon this summer <laughs> our fan club will help you gain access to advance notice to our monthly topics and guests episode outtakes Voter power for future guests and episode topics. Private community to connect with other fans. That's my favorite. Exclusive giveaways and promotions. And coming soon, we will be adding a special segment to Knit a Spell, which will be a Q&A segment with your questions. Patreon members will be exclusively answered for their questions. So we hope you'll join us. Join us. And you'll be doing this all while supporting one of your favorite podcasts. Wrapped up in our gratitude. To learn more, sign up for our newsletter at knitaspell.com. Hey, Jim, I was just on your website and I saw that you have an option for readings. Are you doing more than just palm readings now? I have started offering tarot readings in addition to palm readings. <gasps> yes, finally. You can find information about tarot readings or palm readings on my website, thedivinehand.com. Both are available virtually anywhere in the world. Or if you live in the Seattle area, I am seeing clients in person as well. Thedivinehand.com. That's where you can go to learn more. Check and we're back. The style on this deck is really cool. Do you have a stylized description for this? 
I would say it's a uh, minimalist in a way. It's um, it's very graphic, very, you know, very graphic designery just because it's very flat graphics. Um, yeah. You know, very, very icon. They seem like yes. they're icons. Right, icons. Mm -hmm. Almost like um, I definitely do a lot of logo design in my in my professional services, and that's what it feels like a little bit. Like they're all kind of like kind of condensed down, simplified you know, right. versions of, of these, of these particular animals and shapes and everything. Right. You yeah. also didn't put any people in there. I mean, you have like a symbol of a person, like mm -hmm. when you have the hanged one, there's a right. symbol of a person when it's a particular like reason, but there aren't any images of people. Tell us about that approach. Yeah. I feel like it really, it, they just didn't feel like they belonged once I started stripping out the symbols because, you know, obviously there's a narrative to these cards, but the symbols tell a narrative on their own. And, and they also kind of tell, start to shape a different narrative when you take the scene out of it. Um, and I didn't want to, I really didn't want there to be, you know, I didn't want there to be color or gender, or I really just wanted to take all of that out of the narrative of it and really strip it down to the, the bare bones of what some of these rich symbols have to say on their own. Um, yeah, there were a couple of times where I felt like I couldn't have, I had to have some kind of humanoid in there because like there's they're actually it becomes a symbol in the crossing of the legs mm. on uh on the both the the world and um well the hangman too because he's reverse the hangman's like a reverse and the, the leg is crossed in a certain way that makes you know a shape in itself sure. and so that's where i really was like i that needs to be in there because that's the sim the shape of the body is a symbol itself and you can't have like the tower without some people <laughs> like at least a little figure falling you almost just can't express mm. that. or you so, had the devil with the hand yeah no hands i did include yeah like that like we were talking about it tied hands i definitely did include because a couple of those are really pertinent symbols in themselves and like with the with the higher font and the devil mm. um you know some of those are pretty uh pretty real you know have a lot of meaning behind that so i did i definitely included disembodied hands in a couple sure of yeah but not including the person. So this is the idea of disassembling the card away from that overall narrative right. into the symbols and then letting the person reassemble this themselves. Right, definitely. And, you know, as soon as you include people there, you know, you can't not have emotion on the face or even if you try not to, if you try to have it be just very placid, you know, it's, there's going to be something coming through that starts to feed into that. And I wanted to just really remove that from the, you know, from the, from the storytelling of it. So what you use instead of people are those little, like what we use in artist class as a little gestural figure, like those little models, what are they, do they have a name? Wooden mannequin. Yeah. The little wooden yep. mannequins. Yeah. The wooden mannequins that you use as, um, you have all like, the movable joints. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, drawing to and draw whatnot from. Yep. Yeah, yeah, because that way I could I could make them blue and I could make they wouldn't really have a body shape and they wouldn't really have gender and I, they could just be very nondescript but do the job of telling the story of okay my the leg is curved this way for a reason and bent this way for a reason. So one of the aspects that particularly caught my eye was the color of the cards. I noticed there are nine colors, I believe, and yes. I was like, oh, is there <laughs> meaning to nine? Like, because she's a Virgo and that would be nine. It makes sense, kind of. Was that a coincidence? Why those colors? I'm just curious why the color. Why did some have only three while others had several in that color? Uh, right. Uh, please, there's please really, tell me. 
<laughs> I, love, I love where you're going with it. I actually feel like I need to, that's, I love the deep that layers there you're bringing in, but there's really honestly not anything that deep about the colors. Um, I kind of started with inspiration from right away at Smith's pal the, you know, palette, mm. um, and pulled some colors that I felt were still kind of very prevalent, like that kind of, that, you know, bright orangey yellow is very prevalent in the right away at Smith. There's a lot of grays, um, you know, the, and I, but I kind of, so I kind of took some of the colors from that palette and used them, kind of kept them. And then I threw out some colors in that palette. There's a couple that are more like deep maroons. There's some of that's from the printing, old, the, what they had mm -hmm. to work with for printing back then as far as blending of colors. Um, but I wanted this to be pretty vibrant and pretty colorful. So I kind of established my color pal palette. And then once I had what I consider to be my fi you know, final color palette, I kind of organically worked with color. Um, there are some that are almost like if you lay down like the Rider Waite Smith version next to it, like some of those aces with those gray backgrounds that are very similar in color palette. And, you know, they look very almost identical as far as the colors from the originals. Mm -hmm. And then there's some that depart completely. Like uh, the Empress, I kind of use this bright spring green in the background, but still intentional. So organic, but intentional because, you know, the Empress is so lush and springy and all the, everything grows with, you know, that energy. So I just, I like that kind of vibrant spring green as the background. Um, and since I was taking out, you know, again, taking out the narrative and taking out the scene, I didn't have to have like blue sky or, you know, I could kind of be like, okay, I'm just gonna put a crazy green color in the background because it doesn't really have to make sense as a, you know, as a scene. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> green skies would be a little scary maybe, but. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> They're, they're just so pretty. I mean, even if you don't know anything about tarot and you just spread them all out, it's a rainbow of fun cards. Mm -hmm. um, I just really enjoy them. And, and even the box comes in two different colors. Yeah. You can get gold or you can get black. I right. got the gold because I love yellow. Yes. And Jim knows love me. Love <laughs> he got the black. Yeah. And yes. I got the black. That's you would not right. believe how polarizing those colors were. That's the whole reason I ended up doing the two. Whenever, as I was gearing up for this project, I was sharing a lot of the kind of, you know, things as I was creating with my, you know, people on social media and such. And I was asking for feedback. And so I think I'm like, I can't decide. What do you guys think? I'm kind of drawn towards the yellow or, but I kind of like the black and people weighed in and it was like freaking team Jacob, team Edward on this. Like, like, was, like People had such strong opinions about it. Some people were like, I hate yellow, it gives me migraines. And other people were like, I love that it's not like a black box because there's so many black boxes. So I was like, I had such split 50-50 feedback. I'm like, I'm just gonna do both, so. I love that. When you can't decide, just like do both. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, it was totally fun that you asked me too, like what color right. box does she want? And right. I was like, I definitely want the black box, but since we're both gonna get a box, I'm like, right. well, send her the yellow and if she hates it, I'll trade with her. So it's perfect. But I mean, your book is um, a beautiful so bright color. And if you got a black deck and you want yellow, well, look, the book is yellow. Or if you got a yellow book, a yellow deck and you want black the back of the book is black so shut up there shut you it. go <laughs> so shut up <laughs> just shut up <laughs> and the edging that red edging. oh and the edge oh it is so cool okay so i i love that it's this red and that it's matte 
Like, you know, uh-huh. I mean, not yeah. that I don't love like a shiny, reflective, gilded edge, whatever. But this is so fun that they're not, it's not that, you know? It's Thank different. you. Yeah. Yes, I love it. Funny. I love a good sparkly edge. Don't get me wrong. I love a good foil because, you know, I like all the shimmer, but right. it just felt like it made more sense with the kind of the graphics and just that, that laminate was going to get put on the cards, that kind of soft, you know, everything felt a little softer and more matte. Yeah. And it, it almost feels like it activates the cards too, since like, Ooh. it feels like the most comfortable way to shuffle them is sort of like the, whatever this one is, yeah, the, the two hand, hand shuffly thing. thing. <laughs> I'm, just I'm just making rude gestures. Yeah. You know? Yeah. This, you know, <laughs> how do you use, like, how do you use the deck? Is this the deck that you go to? It's starting to be, but it's funny as a creator, I'm, I, I'm weirdly hesitant to use my own decks sometimes, not, not across the board, but I have so many decks that I have love for in my collection that there's something so, you know, bitingly personal about it. <laughs> like if I read with that, it's just going to serve it up because obviously I created it and it's like, we you know, we know what's up with you. Like it's not going to pull any punches with me. So I definitely, I'm using it more and more. Um, and I definitely have love for it, but it's funny. I'm always, I almost have to be like in the right mind space to use my own deck. I have to be like, I'm ready. Tell me what you got. I'm ready for it. I don't care. Tell me the truth. But I definitely am using it more and more for daily draws and, you know, doing my own work with it. I've kind of been trying to play with it a little bit more playfully. I'm kind of been playing with this idea of doing like little symbol scavenger hunts in life like where i'm looking for symbols in the real world too and or pulling a card and being like what you know i wonder if i hone into a symbol on that card where i might see it in the next couple days in the real world where it might be reflected back so i've been kind of playing a little more playfully with it we're like doing symbol play with it and you know and and kind of seeing where the synchronicities happen which is really fun so funny that you say that because i pulled the I pull a card a day and I pulled the nine of pentacles and I came home the other day and I almost stepped on a snail who was moving across the steps. Right. And you know, and that snail in the Rider Waite Smith is like literally so you don't tiny. Really, you almost hard can't to find. see it. Mm-hmm. So I try to make him a little bit, a little bit bigger. Yeah, you part. made that snail really big here because yeah. everyone sees the bird on her. Right. The right. The and, yeah. 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 So the fact that you made that snail huge, it's one of the things that people don't know, or really the one that I think is really fun is the bell on the five of pentacles. Nobody knows about that, which it leads you to a question that's not on, that you might not be expecting that I just have off the top of my head. What, doing this deck, every time someone writes a book or creates a deck or something, they learn something certainly about their project but they learned something about themselves. Mm, yes. What was something that you learned about yourself? I'm going to, okay. So I'm going to answer that in two pieces. If that's right, I'm going to get deep yeah. for a minute. Yeah, so, get deep. <laughs> let's go. Yeah. Um, I learned, I actually really like to write and that I actually, cause I couldn't shut up once I started. <laughs> mm. And so I learned, I actually enjoy that process and I definitely second guessed it. I'm like, I'm not a writer, but I want to give them a good thorough you know, and I think I even explained it away in the beginning of the book, like I'm not a professional writer. Hopefully that won't be painfully obvious in this book. But, you know, I, I, I really think I'm actually okay at it. I think I have a voice and, and that I haven't allowed to come out in that way. So that was a kind of, that was kind of huge. And I definitely would like to pursue that more. And then the other thing I learned was, which is one of those lessons. It's like, it's like life has been trying to teach me this for years, 
but you know how we're just stubborn and kind of stupid sometimes. And <laughs> so just doing the Kickstarter and with my Kickstarter, I was just like, okay, please, I just want to get it funded. I just want to get it funded and hence see it become real. And so I had my budget and all I really was focused on was I hopefully it can get funded in the 30 days. You know, if you're familiar with the crowdfunding format, you usually have a set campaign, a lot time and your set budget that you're trying to get funded. And it got funded in six hours. And I'm not trying to just, I'm not just trying to just pat my own back, but I think what, what I, I was, I'm still, I still like sometimes walk around in shock when I think about that and, and how well it did by the end of the 30 days. And so I think I've tried really hard to take the lesson of like, don't put limits on yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, why do you limit yourself and what you think is possible that you're able to do and create, you know? So I think that, I mean, that's me getting a little bit deep with it, but that's, it's one of those lessons. It's still, I still need to like, remember it because I still just want to play small sometimes and be a little bit Heidi and kind of, you know, like not Heidi, like a person, like, like, kind of yeah, it's like, like your private things, you know, you showy or too out, you know, I like, right. but, I'm, but the reality is there's no reason to put limits. There's no reason to play small. That's I find right. that is quite often how artists feel in general, like, yeah. You know, they're the last to value their own work, even if everyone else around them is like, we'll do it. Like, just give us the opportunity to to give you the money and we'll do it. Like, so you should make it be something you want to do. Right. <laughs> I know we're here, but I guess at least right. now, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, beautiful lesson. You're damn brilliant. This deck mm -hmm. is truly amazing. Mm -hmm. Your class. So anyone who has a chance to take a course from Jennifer either at an event like the international divination event that we were at in Dallas or at a future event or online, do it. Her classes are well-organized. They're excellent. Imagine that. <laughs> Everybody who took your class, which I'm kicking myself for not being able to be there. People told me they were like, her class was tremendous. Aww. So go and like take her stuff. Well, you just made my day. Thank you. Aww. It's so good. Well, let's talk about the guidebook because yes. Yeah. Speaking of that. expert, oh, you right? wrote the book on it. So. And this writing is awesome. It's so easy. Did you love the glossary in the front, Katie? Uh, like, I mean, we obviously. often have a, there's a glossary of common symbols, which I have referred to a couple of times since I got this deck when I'm doing readings myself, where oh, I cool. was looking at a, at a card and I thought, Oh shoot. What is the apple again? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that's right. Jennifer has this glossary of symbols in her book and I can open it up to page 12 and look up apple and say, okay, this is in a couple cards. And it says what cards are in the lovers and the queen of pentacles. And then I can look up like the apples related to knowledge, nourishment, fruitfulness, abundance, that is an amazing everywhere. table of contents. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's awesome to hear. I think what we both appreciated about it is that it makes it easy for anyone to pick up tarot with this deck and this guidebook. I mean, Hopefully, people yeah. who have done it for years, I'm sure will glean new things because like you said, they take the people out and you get totally new fill-ins for what's not there. Or right. if you've never done tarot before and you really are like, I, I don't really know, but I would like to have more extensive learning apparatus. This is exactly what you need. Um, well, <laughs> what made you want to make an extended guidebook? You know, so many times you just get like the little pamphlet that fits in there that just says two things about each card and you hope for the best. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, 
basically like a large percentage of this project was the research because mm. that's definitely something that I like. That's probably a little bit of my Virgo coming out. I love to dive down into like the well once of with anything that I'm like kind of on at the time, you know, that, that track. So I just, I was researching so much and then finding so much information and then putting like trying to compile it all. And I'm like, there's just too much here to do one that goes in the, like in the box. It needs to be bigger. It just, I have too much to say. And I really even estimated like, oh, it'll be probably about 80 pages or so. Like when I had my Kickstarter, I was explaining what they get because I didn't have the whole thing written yet. And then it like doubled, you know? So I <laughs> just kept going and going. Um, it just felt like that's what it needed to be as far as the, because the sim each symbol had something to say. Um, it, it wasn't just about the meaning of that card. It was each symbol. And honestly, you know, I'm definitely a deck nerd myself. And, uh, you know, those little pamphlets, no offense to anybody that has a pamphlet. I mean, I love, I'm more about the cards anyway, but those pamphlets go in the trash. I'm just like, it's just in my way. Get out of here. Yes. So I, you know, I didn't, I didn't really have any patience for a little pamphlet for. There's a few exceptions, but yeah. <laughs> no patience for pamphlets. <laughs> no patience for pamphlets. But, but again, I love, I love all my creators and I, the de the cards are what I'm about. So that's, it's not putting it down the deck itself. I love, I love, you know, a good deck that stands oh, yeah. on its own. So. So when you're not crafting art or writing, uh, what other crafts might you enjoy? Um, I'm kind of one of those people that bounces around to stuff. I'm kind of, I have a very low attention span. So, so um, I, I went through a phase where I was doing a lot of malas because I learned from a friend who how to make the malas and that becomes, um, I imagine it's like, I, I think of it like knitting maybe in the sense that there's that tranquility to it. Once you get into the mode of doing the knots over and over mm. that it becomes like, you're really just kind of in a meditative state and just working with the, the little beads. So I really enjoyed that for a while, but honestly, I've not done it in a while. And then I kind of got, went down the path of learning how to do sigils and kind of mm. learning one of the old school methods of doing sigils. So I love sometimes just, even when I'm just watching TV, doodling in front of the TV and making like a sigil for some, you know, affirmation or something. Um, so that's kind of my more crafty stuff that I do. Um, when, uh, my, as far as non-magical crafts, the other place I spend 90% of my time is I do karate. And so I am usually getting beat up any day of the week. <laughs> oh, so let me ask you about that real quick. How long have you been doing that? And do you find you need that like source of getting your energy out to where you're just like totally wrung out in order for you to like focus as a Virgo. <laughs> yes, I do. I, um, and I'm a Virgo that when, I, you know, one of those, as far as like going down the astrology, uh, track, when I saw the rest of my chart, when the first time I actually had a full chart done, I'm like, Oh, okay. Cause for a long time, I was like, I don't think I'm really a Virgo. Like I definitely have areas where I get very persnickety. And then I have areas where I'm like a complete slob and I don't keep things organized and I'm like kind of a little bit like fly by the seat of my pants which is not Virgo-ish so I, when I saw the rest of my chart I have a lot of fire like just fire 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 everywhere mm. and I'm like okay because I generally feel like I'm a high energy person like right now I probably had a little too much coffee if I'm being honest so I'm probably a little bit too high energy right now with you guys you know, I definitely have some energy to burn and like there's got to be some physical activity I spent years not doing anything physical like in my 30s and then I discovered boxing and karate in my forties. Mm -hmm. And I'm so much happier when I have a, an outlet that's regular where I'm like kind of getting some stuff out and just kind of moving, you know? Yeah. So, definitely. Yeah. So it's huge for me. It is. Jim, you're going to, we're going to nerd out and you're going to tell me about my hands in karate. That's what, it, but that's a whole nother subject, but I was oh. thinking about that ask him like what it means because I've broken multiple fingers now <laughs> because oh. I, I spar. 
like this. Is there a finger <laughs> that you tend to break head. repeatedly? Yeah, it's my it's this one right here. Oh, mm. is that your left, left. index yeah, finger? Yeah, that's my left index, yeah. Yeah, so that has to do with your leadership sovereignty in your personal, your personal sovereignty, oh. your personal leadership and expansion <laughs> and rediscovering your sovereignty and your power and your personal power, your personal sovereignty. There's that indicates you probably had a lot of breaking away of old patterns from your childhood and from how you were brought up and sort of like rediscovering your power. Oh, and every, that. and as, and probably why karate in particular and defense and fighting type things are really powerful for you because it is right. about, and, and those injuries are going to be related to times when you're not actually standing in your power. That's why you broke those fingers oh when you're gosh. in your power and you're actually channeling the chi correctly, that finger is not going to break. Love it. Thank you. I didn't mean to make you give me a reading on the spot. Thank you. Are you that's kidding? Crazy. It's one of the things that we love so to cool. do. That's right. In Netispell is yeah. a quick little divination. We unconsciously set ourselves up um, metaphysically to get feedback through our hands and our hands will get injured because of tiny little changes in the way that we move or change our hands and then our hands receive because we know how to position our hands in a way that doesn't get injured, but then our unconscious and our metaphysical sort of things put our hands in certain positions that the knife slip, the knife moves in a certain way and in, you know, cuts our finger or the paper cuts our finger or the oh. punch just doesn't hit quite right or whatever. And we get an injury, a, bru a bruise, a sprain, a cut, a break or whatever. Right. That can give us feedback as to what's going on around us. And it's really, really valuable. So understanding that so cool. provides yeah. amazing feedback. Yeah. Obviously you want to treat that with your naturopathic or allopathic or Western medicine or natural medicine. And that's separate from the metaphysical message that it also sends. Sure. Sure. Mm. So how can people find out more about you, ways to support you? Do you have another deck on the way? What's going on? Yeah. Do you uh, do readings? Don't actually offer any readings right now. Um, it's one of those things I may at some point, but I kind of just feel like it's not where I want my time to go right now. I really want to just create, create, create right now. So on Instagram, I'm probably most prevalent. So that's probably where people can find me most, you know, uh, voraciously is on Instagram um, at ferocious Inc and no, no extra spaces or characters. And basically I, tr I try to share things that are kind of like fun, but interesting about like symbols and, you know, I definitely share other decks because I'm kind of a deck nerd and I collect a lot of decks and um, I'll do, you know, sometimes pick a power readings over there, but so that's where they can find me. Um, as far as if I have any other decks coming out, yes, um, slowly. So um, it's one, of, it's again, it's one of those things, you know, how some of those ideas just want to be like shoved their way to the front. Mm. I've had these two other ideas on the back burner for like two years that I've been trying to slowly work on that I, I think are really good ideas. They're not tarot, but they're like more Oracle, but they're, they definitely still want to get made. But ever since I made tarot disassembled, this other thing has kind of been shoving its way. So it's kind of going to be a sister deck to tarot disassembled. And it's going to be, um, I mean, I can just tell you guys if you want, I mean, I only if you want it to be public. Yeah. I don't, I don't show mind. exclusive. Oh, yeah. There you go. Exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So you guys will be the first to know. Um, so basically it's going to be a deck. I guess you could consider it an Oracle deck in one way, but it's going to be a deck of the symbols from tarot. So instead of, oh. so it's like, for example, taking like, here's the Apple card, here's the, you know, and taking all of these symbols you find in tarot. Um, but I don't want it to be too simplistic. So they're going to kind of be, 
graphically they will be paired with other symbols they cohabitate with in the tarot. Mm. So there'll be more going on than just here's a picture of an apple on a card. And I think they could be used as clarifiers in a reading mm. with a tarot reading. I think they could be used on their own as an oracle, or I think they could be used just for deeper symbol, you know, play and research. Um, but yeah, it's the one that just kind of keeps wanting to shove to the front. So I think I'm going to finish that and then I'll try to get onto the other ones. Again. <laughs> I love that because I do think that, you know, you just have such great symbols in here. And each of those symbols has such, you know, layered meanings to them. So that's, I'm already kind of been like working on my second revision of that book, but I think it might kind of transfer over to this, this deck where mm -hmm. we go, where I go a little even deeper into, okay, the apple. And like, here's like four different stories about the apple you know, because there's mythology and religion and there's like our modern day, you know, thoughts, there's the actual, you know, the fact that you cut an, an apple open and it has a pentagram inside with the seeds. Like there's yep. just, there's just so much that my little nerd heart wants to nerd on about. Uh, well, it sounds like a great deck to go with, like you said, this deck, because even, even pulling these cards and then finding their matching one with any deck you have, uh, will help you look at that all, all new eyes. Um, right. Right. and I, I like using two decks at once. I do that a lot too. Readings. Like I'll use an Oracle and a tarot at the same time. But, yeah. You know, they talk to each other all the time over there. Ooh, there's like ones that want to be buddies, you know, they yeah. just be like friends. Yes. Okay. See, I'm so happy to talk to people who get the, I was also the person growing up who had no one interested in the things like this. And we're just like, I guess it's just me. Right. So I still find it uh, nice when I'm like, oh yeah, there are people out there. Yeah. It's that nice this is just their regular conversation. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh yeah. Um, but yeah, if anybody ever wants to connect, I'm definitely always open, you know, hit me up in my DM. Like anybody wants to talk about stuff or ask questions or just, you know, I'm always open for it. So awesome. All right. Well, ferociousink.com is where you can go to find out more. And you can also find her at ferociousink on Instagram. So make sure you're following Jennifer for all of her new things that are going on. This new deck that'll be coming out soon. Uh, well, more information anyway will be coming out soon. Thanks so much for your time, Jennifer. This has yes, been thank you guys. awesome. Amazing. I just can't wait to see you again. Speaking I of know. in person, will I see you at the Northwest Tarot yes. Symposium? Yes, I'll be there. So everyone go to Portland, go to the Northwest yes. Tarot Symposium. Yes. It's going to be amazing. Come to our talks and hang yes. out with us in person. So that is the second weekend in October. So plenty of warning. That's right. Put it on October, your calendars, everybody. What is that? October 789. Actually, 6789 yeah. if you do the co-creators day on oh, the yes. Thursday. I'm doing that. I can't not do that. That's Me too lineup Obviously. is freaking amazing yeah <laughs> awesome uh, well thank you again everybody like we said go check her out and uh jim i'll see you next week thank you see you next week on knit a spell okay bye everybody, bye, everybody. Guys. thanks, for, thanks listening. for listening if you enjoyed the show consider sharing it with a friend leaving a review on itunes and spotify or following knit a spell on instagram you can also subscribe to the Light From Lantern YouTube channel to enjoy full episodes of Knit a Spell and see our happy faces. You can also learn more about readings, classes, and events going on with your favorite maker of magic, James Devine, by visiting thedivinehand.com and subscribing to his newsletter. Then follow Jim's fun and interactive Instagram account at divinehandjim. Keep up with Katie, the magical maker, by subscribing to her newsletter 
at lightfromlantern.com. You'll even receive a free knitting pattern as a thank you gift. Then follow Katie on Instagram at lightfromlantern for even more magical making tips. See you next next week. week.